0: Hello and welcome. I'm Brian pace Braga, and you're listening to Building Business and Balance, Conversations with BPB. I created this podcast for anyone looking for insight, mentorship and guidance from someone who's been there and back again on the road to success. I'm so excited to bring the most brilliant thought leaders and friends on air with me to get real about what it means to build business and balance and how you define your own success. This episode's guest is Chiara Foy, nutritionist, coach, author, and speaker. She specializes in hormone and gut health, which has been a recent focus of mine, and her focus is helping high-performing women prevent and heal burnout. Kiara and I dig deep into the topic of entrepreneurial burnout, how to cope with stress and find balance, and how hitting rock bottom can actually be our greatest opportunity to become our best selves.
1: And so that's why I ended up really um, honing my practice and working with high-achieving women specifically around everything that um, you know makes them who they are, but can also be. Huge detriment um, when they're pursuing their goals in a fashion that is not aligned with, you know, their their feminine energy.
0: Let's get into my conversation with Kiara Thank you, thank you for being on. You're welcome. Um, I'm excited. Yeah, um, I think we should start with with because I don't know you that well either. So, yeah. do you mind giving given me and giving the the audience just a quick background? on on you
1: yeah absolutely uh so i am a mom of two i have a 17 year old daughter and a nine year old and i have been doing um nutrition for 15 years so everything kind of changed for me after the birth of my first daughter i went through a really difficult time in my life where i let my my health go um and that you know just talking about the gut brain connection and what we eat and how that impacts uh, us from a mental health perspective, I went through that myself. And so I had to pull myself out of that. And I ended up um, being guided to go to school for nutrition and that absolutely rocked my world (laughs) and changed everything. So, you know, in a period of two years, my whole paradigm about life changed, um, who I was changed. I ended up, um, you know, separated and, uh, leaving my husband before I was 30 and, and then throwing myself into entrepreneurship. So there was, um, you know, this, this path that I have been on has been absolutely phenomenal. And, you know, from my perspective, even before that happened, I experienced a lot of gut health issues in my early twenties, and I was really disappointed with, um, the medical system, because what I came to learn was that if you don't have a diagnosable disease, there's really not a lot that can be done. And so when it comes to things that actually promote health, um, that's not really what our medical system does. There's like silos of sick care, but I really struggle to find answers. And, you know, that's what drove me down this path of, of nutrition and, and natural health and self-care.
0: It's awesome. Well, I can see even through our our Zoom video, you really you really do glow. Your skin glows. So uh, your eyes are clear. So you're clearly doing some great things right, and raising two two children on your own. So um, major major respect and thanks for sharing that. So wh- why why would someone like I because um, so much of this podcast is just me making my way through the world and learning. For, for myself selfishly and then just trying to share this with people that may be going through the same, same sort of thing. Um, how do you know you have gut issues? Um, like I had the worst gas, like the worst gas, and I'm, I'm happy to admit it. And I used to like think it was funny and my friends wanted to kill me. My girlfriend at the time wanted to kill me. Mm-hmm. And I would laugh about it. Like how is it? It's not even funny, but it was kind of farting was a funny thing. But yeah. I think like clearly my insides were we're not well. And can you like, is that the normal sign? Um, and I know sometimes people don't like to talk about gas or farting, but I'm, I'm a pretty open book. So if you don't mind, um,
1: I love the vulnerability. That's awesome. Um, so yeah, I, I totally hear you. I mean, when I was 25, I, um, I moved in with my fiance at the time, and I was going through exactly what you're talking about. I was, I felt bloated. I was constipated. I was gassy. Um, I definitely did not want to have sex. <laughs> there was I don't even know how we got through with me, really. <laughs> but in any case, um, yeah, those were those were major signs, and of course. Uh, I had zero clue about what was going on and just thought, you know, something's, you know, very wrong with me. Um, And, you know, I was, I did scopes and was tested for celiac and all sorts of things. And, So when it comes to gut health, yeah, those are definitely a symptom. I think the most important thing for people to really understand is that we have symptoms for a reason, right? So that's your body's only way of communicating with you. So it's so important to really tune in and to listen to that because if we don't pick up on those little symptoms, then they, they become far worse, right? And at some point, if we don't take the time out to heal ourselves, then our body is just going to shut us down and make us. And, and that's what it really comes down to. So from a gut health perspective, um, gut health absolutely impacts, we have what's called the gut brain access. And so gut health, absolutely, you know, it, your gut has as many neurons as your spinal cord, spinal cord. And so It is, you know, really your second brain, and it is sending signals to your brain. It's not just your brain sending signals to your gut. There is a two-way communication there. So, um, you know, indigestion of any sort, people who have, you know, Reflux, constipation, diarrhea, you know, a combination of those things, you know, putrid gas, all of these things are symptoms. And also, it can be brain fog, it can be exhaustion, it can be um, even losing weight for some people. Like if you have problems with your gut health, and for example, in the case of um, celiac, the, what's happening is the microvilli in your small intestine is breaking down. So it's actually not taking in as much nutrients. And so that's like a very um, drastic example, but the same goes for if you are eating food, if you have food allergies and what we call leaky gut, um, then there is a problem with digestion and you're not just what you eat, but you are what you digest and assimilate. And so the signs that you're talking about that we both experience, you know, that is a sign that your body is not doing well with the food that you were giving it. Um, And there's a couple there's a few things with respect to gut health. I mean, a lot of people just try to take foods out and you do have to remove the foods, but you also have to. Um, repair and reinoculate and and really, you know, go through all the work to Sorry, do what does
0: reinoculate mean?
1: Reinoculate means putting more good bacteria into into your gut.
0: Through yeah. probiotics and, and other
1: Yeah, fermented foods, um, especially. Yeah, so probiotics are great. The problem with probiotics, though, is that when we're taking a probiotic, it it only has a few strains, even if it's a multi strain, it might be 10 or 12 strains, whereas we have hundreds of strains of bacteria in our gut. So um, what we really want to be doing to get um, you know, exposed to all sorts of different bacteria, because the more diverse our bacteria is on our gut, the healthier we are. Um, and your gut accounts for more than 70% of your immune system. So, uh, you know, I was gonna,
0: can, I, can I stop you there for a yeah. second? What, what, what defines your gut? Excuse my ignorance. Is it small intestine, large intestine? You know, it, it, what actually is defined as the gut?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, um, that's, that's an interesting question. Sorry, like, maybe i maybe sci- scientifically, I'm like, I don't know. Does it, I mean, how would you define it when you,
0: ta- it? Yeah, when, so when you when I, talk about the gut? Yeah.
1: What I'm talking about is yeah, the whole system. Um, absolutely. So like your whole digestive system really, um, and it, it starts in your mouth and goes all the way to your anus, like that's your digestive system. Right. Um, and then specifically when we're talking about gut health, usually we're talking more so about the microbiome. And so the microbiome is that collection of bacteria and fungi that they're the ones actually um, eating the food <laughs> you know, or digesting the food. And then they are, um, you know, passing on those nutrients um, to us. But it's, uh, it's really interesting because we have more than 10 times the bacteria um, in our body than we do our own human DNA. So we're basically like 1% human and 99% bacteria.
0: Wow. Cool. Uh-huh. Um this quick question of, uh, and not that I have kids, but I was, I would think that some of our listeners that have kids, um, at least my experience in growing up, not always wanting the healthiest of food and probably causing my mom stress around that. How have you made eating healthy, cool for your kids or have you been able to, to accomplish that or, or what has worked or what, what has been a challenge?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, um, I, I, i'm I'm very proud of how my kids eat. Um, and I had an interesting background kind of coming into that. My sister uh, was the worst eater growing up and there was fights at the dinner table every single night. My parents would get into it there was tears it was a complete disaster. and you know I my mom would always say you know when you're older you'll understand because I was like i don't I don't get this like just you know. <laughs> anyway, so um,
0: and was your mom? Was your mom a healthy cooker, or a cook, and an and eater herself?
1: Yeah, I mean, she was. But the problem is my my mom is a very she's what I call a softy, and so she would always kind of give in and let my sister eat whatever she wants. Right. So if my sister kicked up a stink, she was the baby, and she got the attention, and she got what she wanted. And so that um, therein lied the problem. And my mother was, my parents are um, immigrants from Ireland. So they moved here a few years before I was born. And um, so they always cooked really well. And I always, I was brought up in really good food. We didn't have processed food, everything was home cooked. But um, so, you know, having had that experience, I knew that I did not wanna have fights with my children over eating. And so the way that I got around that. And I was very lucky because I went to school for nutrition when my eldest daughter was uh, 11 months old. And the way that I got around that was simply I fed her what we were eating. And so I just created her normal. There was no such thing as kid food, as in she got macaroni and cheese, and we were eating, you know, vegetables and salmon, it was she was eating the exact same things that we were. And so I just developed her palate and her normal by doing that. And I did this, the same thing with my little one. You know, just last night in my stories on Instagram, she was eating squash and chicken and um, broccoli leaves, sauteed broccoli leaves. And, you know, people messaging me going like, how do you get your kid to eat that? It's actually really easy. It's just creating a normal that they're used to.
0: And do you do you bring any and I probably know the answer to this, but I'm gonna just confirm. Do you bring any not so good foods into your into your home? Um, like snacks or anything? And the second part of that question is do your kids or you got your older one, but did they ever question and come home from school and ask, like, why do all these kids have all these salty, sugary, you know? snacks and and how did you deal kind of with that social side of of uh, of pressure
1: yeah, no that's a great question. Um, so yes, we do have uh, treats in my house for sure i I definitely I never want my kids to think that they can't have something or make things like completely out of bounds. So it's just a matter of quality for me. So when it comes to, you know, cookies, my daughter always goes to school with some small treat and, you know, an apple and some vegetables in addition to whatever she's eating. And it's, you know, right now she's having some gluten-free cookies that were homemade at the Big Carrot. So they're, um, you know, they're organic. So they're not genetically modified and they don't have Uh, cheap inflammatory oils and things like that in them, which is really important to me. So I really just try to upgrade the quality, but I do include those things. Um, And when we go to restaurants, I let the kids eat whatever they want. You know, so when we're out on occasion, they do, they get to choose what they want. Um, and I don't bring juice into the house, but when they're, you know, at a restaurant or at a friend's house, you know, I let them have that. So they have a lot of normalcy that way. My, I think the other big thing is I really try to educate them the same way that I do my clients. I want them to know why they're eating what they're eating. Um, and that's really, really key. That being said, having gone through, um, you know, the experience of raising a teenager, I can tell you that she absolutely, um, you know, rebelled against me. (laughs) So the the thing is what I always tell parents is that all we can do is lay the groundwork. At some point, they're going to have to make up their minds. They're going to make choices for themselves. And all you can do is be confident in the fact that, you know, you've exposed them to a wide variety of food and they enjoy good food and trust that they'll come back to it. And that's exactly what happened with my eldest. Um, she has a great love of food. She actually wants to be a chef, and uh, you know she wow. has a job. Yeah, so she has a job where she she's cooking as a chef. And since she was 13 years old, she's been working in a cooking school um, for volunteer, and then they and then they hired oh her for gosh. summers. Oh my Yeah, cool. Yeah.
0: Um, I think what I hear a bit there is that you, you, you provide, you you provided quite a bit of structure within the house and discipline within the house, but then there were treats. Is that fair to, is that fair to summarize?
1: Yeah, for sure. So I didn't want to be policing everything that they're doing all of the time. I just created a very, you know, healthy way of eating that was normal for them in the house, and then I didn't worry about what they were doing some of the time because it's what you're doing consistent, consistently all the time that's going to really make or break your health.
0: What would be up yeah, for sure? Um, I've learned that the hard way. Um, what what would you say um, to sticking to to the home again? How have you created time? Uh, And this is a bit of a loaded question because um, I have someone that that actually cooks for me now and it's been one of the greatest investments I've ever made is in someone that um, after consulting with the wellness clinic this summer, realizing how bad of a gut issue I really did have or do have and I'm I'm healing it in the process of healing it now, um, how important it is to have a consistent consistency and discipline around eating. But what I found was I'm in a, in a, in a fortunate position to actually have a chef that does it for me. How did you, (laughs) how did you raise children uh, presumably on your own or, or, you know, um, build a business uh, and be like a really healthy provider of food that in my experience, it just takes more time to, to make healthier food. And I don't think there's a way around that, unless there is. (laughs)
1: Uh, Yeah. So I think think the main thing is, is that I keep it really simple. Um, You know, people get overwhelmed with, you know, recipes and trying new things. And before I was eating healthy, I used to often ask myself, you know, what do I feel like when I worked downtown on Bay Street, and I was going to the food court, it was kind of like, what do I feel like? And Um, and, and I would let my cravings kind of run me. So what happened is that as I learned more about health, I really tapped into the simplicity of food. And from that perspective, it made everything so much easier because I don't actually spend a lot of time making food. And I'm also like, I'm not a fitness competitor. I don't want to walk around or, you know, like, meal prepping and having all of my meals for three days in Tupperware containers is not my idea of fun. <laughs> so, um, you know, I make sure that I have always like a good protein source. So for example, my, my go-to right now, which is so easy, is I take, I do Instapot pulled chicken and it's literally um, a few either organic or pasture chicken breasts, they might be frozen. I stick them in the Instapot, cover it with a little bit of water, and then I'll use um, a simply organic spice mix, usually like a taco spice mix. So it doesn't have any MSG or anything like that, just a little bit of flavor. And that takes 10 minutes. And then you have the softest chicken and I just pull it apart with a fork. And then I keep it in my fridge for three to four days in that water with the spices. And then I just pull it out, warm it up for, you know, whether it be um, for a salad. For me last night, we had it with the squash that I just put in the oven and then sauteed some broccoli leaves. So Literally, the squash cutting it up took two minutes. I stuck it in the oven. And then when that was almost ready, I took five minutes to do the broccoli leaf, and we were done. Like So I, I really keep things very, very simple to make sure that I'm not spending a lot of time, but that we're getting really good quality food. And when you're eating good quality food, it tastes amazing. And my sister always comes to my house, um, and she'll be like, what do you put on these vegetables? I'm like, hmm. Salt and pepper, like <laughs> that's about it. Um, you know, I do, I do, do some garlic and and olive oil and things like that too. But it's very, very simple, and so I just don't make a big deal out of it, and I kind of take the stress out of it. So. Even in the morning, um, I make my daughter a fresh meal for lunch every day. And while I'm, you know, while she's making, or sorry, eating breakfast, I'm, I've made her breakfast, she's eating breakfast, and I'm usually creating um, a pasta with like leftover grilled vegetables from the night before, and then putting into like rice pasta and just putting some olive oil and salt and pepper on it. And then she takes that hot meal in a the thermos. So everything that I do is just leftovers, a little bit of prep, having lots of fruit and vegetable options and just um, you know, making things easy to grab and easy to throw together and not getting too overly involved in, you know, recipes and and just creating a lot of stress around it. Like we hang out in our kitchen while I'm doing these things and, and talk about the day. So it's it's part of just how we live.
0: Nice. Thank you. Okay. Um, so I'm going to go to, um, some of the things that I, I found, uh, on your Instagram page and I want to understand a bit more of the why, and you you touched on it a little bit. You were going through a really tough time. Um, and it sounded like nutrition was a, was a, was a good uh, place for you to focus attention. So thanks for sharing that. But on your Instagram, it says, I help high performing women prevent and heal burnout and become unstoppable. What does that mean to you? Can you walk me through a little more of the details of what, what that statement means to you?
1: So I came from the corporate world. And so I saw uh, firsthand and, you know, in my, my book, Empowered by Food, I talk a lot about this, but I saw firsthand how women really push themselves so hard without there being any balance of self care and prioritizing themselves. And that leads to, leads to burnout. And I think, you know, in the field that I was in, um, I was a corporate securities law clerk at a big Bay street law firm. And in that field, whether it be law or um, entrepreneurship or accounting or finance, there's an awful lot of um, stress stress and pressure on women, and there is more and more women going into those professions, but there's very few making it to the top. And so what I learned over the course of my career, because that wasn't always my niche, now it is, um, was that, you know, women as opposed to, not that men can't fall into this as well, and they do, but women are much more like biologically sensitive to stress. Um, and how it impacts our hormones and how it impacts our energy and our mental health and all those things so we're more sensitive to it so by not understanding that and not um, putting in place you know enough self-care and prioritizing ourselves we're way more at risk Um, and and so a lot of women end up burning out before they get to you know get to the top, right? Break that glass ceiling, or they, they get to a place where they think there's just no way that I can do it all. I can't have a family. I can't do the business. Like something has to give. Right. So, um, and that came from a very personal place. I, I have been there and even with my foundation in my business and nutrition and exercise, and those things have been the cornerstone of my life, um, you know, for over 20 years, it was, it was a period of time in my life where I was going through a lot of emotional upset. So um, I, I was moving, I was moving my children to a new neighborhood. So I had to get my house ready for sale. I had bought a new house. You know, it was the first house I'd had like really on my own. I was renovating that house. And so going through all of that Also, still running my business, managing two kids um, in school and driving them back and forth and all of those things. And then, on top of that, I ended up having um, my sister and I are estranged now from our dad. And that happened in this crazy time where um, there was an incident at her wedding. And so, from that time forward, we have not spoken to our dad. emotional upset coupled with burning the candle at both ends is will definitely get you to burn out way faster if it's just you know working really hard and not getting enough sleep you can go for so long doing that Um, but if you add anything that has an emotional burden to it it is going to take you down super super fast and so Through that experience, um, you know, I I went, I went through that and then it wasn't until about three months later, I completely crashed my, like my energy was in the toilet. I could not sleep. I would literally wake up at night and feel like I was levitating in my bed. And, you know, if you ask my kids, my eldest was like, oh my goodness, like I, I, you know, she just, she's traumatized by that time in my life because my nerves. Like I didn't have any how, how
0: old? How old are you? <laughs> no, sorry. I didn't drop. How, yeah. Thanks for sharing all this. How old were you at the time? If you don't mind. Managing? I was
1: no, oh, I don't mind. Um, I was 37, 37. So that was, um, yeah, it was rough. And, and through that, is, you know, I ended up with what we call, you know, is, is kind of a catch-all term called adrenal fatigue. I had stage three adrenal fatigue. Um, but really what that is, because there's no such thing as your adrenals um, getting tired, what it is is a... Um, dysfunction of your HPA access. And that is a lot of the focus of my practice. So your HPA access is your hypothalamus pituitary adrenal access. And it's, you test that by doing either a saliva test or even better, a dried urine test. And it's a 24 hour cortisol panel. And so it's basically you know, we have their own, our own rhythms of our body. And, um, and when those get disrupted, then this, this access, our HPA access can go out of balance. And so, you know, for women that can mean, um, you know, definite problems with their hormones and fertility is a big one. And it's the same with men. So if you have a problem with your HPA access and you're, Cortisol levels are too high. Your testosterone levels are going to tank, and there's going to be problems with um, impotence and and sperm count and fertility and all sorts of things. So that is, um, you know, why I became so interested in stress and burnout from going through that and knowing how hard I always pushed myself, even though I, I had a lot of these self-care tools. Um, and it was a background of mine because I, I came from corporate and Bay Street and I really, you know, there's, there's a um, feminist in me for sure that wants to see equality, that wants to see women um, really get what they deserve. And so that's why I ended up really um, honing my practice and working with high achieving women specifically around everything that, um, you know, makes them who they are, but can also be a huge detriment um, when they're pursuing their goals in a fashion that is not aligned with, you know, their, their feminine energy.
0: Wow! Thank you for sharing all that. Um,
1: I don't know if you've noticed, but I'm a bit of a chatterbox.
0: <laughs> no, it's
1: <laughs> <laughs> feel free to cut me
0: off. <laughs> I think it's great. I think it's it's awesome. There's many pearls of wisdom in here. Um, so thank you. Um, and you're not chatterbox. I mean, you, you just yeah. I, I I I could go on for for hours too. So I I I I feel you on that. Awesome. Um So. I hear a lot of nutrition and it's probably cause I've been asking questions around the nutrition. Can you walk me through? Cause there's something that's come into my life since again, only a couple months ago that I actually wrote about in one of my blogs was, um, um, breathing techniques. And, you know, even the word, um, of, of, of meditation at, be- at the beginning, stressed me out and I was continued to question, am I doing it right? Am I doing it wrong? Um, And this would have been like two years ago uh, when I went through my major burnout um, and I had some help with with the Headspace app, Um, but still, I I think I was was overcomplicating it in my own mind. So even a couple months ago, I just started just committing to stretching and breathing first thing in the morning without looking at my phone uh, for 15 to 20 minutes. And it was inspired by uh, a podcast that Jay Shetty had done and he was talking through uh, pretty much like a a, a race car um, example of, you know, when you haven't warmed an engine up and you're a high performing um, race car, turn the engine on and go zero to a hundred miles an hour and and nine thousand RPMs or whatever whatever it goes to, um, you know, it's not usually the best for for a high performing car. So the analogy is, you know, to a, to an aspiring high performing person to um, To wake up from a beautiful sleep, you know, hopefully a beautiful sleep, but just the the, the gift that sleep is uh, that I've come to realize, um, and then to you know to to bombard our 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 space, our our bedroom with something that has so much responsibility in it, which is our smartphones, um, is clearly at least for me. It caused a lot of anxiety for me. It caused a lot of, um, uh, instant energy. And then, and then coming right down, I started to feel it a lot myself as I've become more conscious myself and more aware. And, um, it's a long winded answer. I was just giving you a bit of a break from, from, your, from all your talking, which has been amazing. But I ask you, what other wellness techniques do you recommend? Um, you know, as breathing and stretching, the simple form of fifteen to twenty minutes in the morning um, before I do anything, turn the pot of the pot of tea on, or pot of um, uh, the hot water on, and pour my tea, and then I do it. Um, are there things that you recommend um, to your clients, and or the things that helped you outside of just nutrition to get through these really tough times?
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. So the lifestyle p- aspect of health is arguably even more important than the nutrition part. So I'm really glad that you asked that question. Um, And from a lifestyle perspective, that means another thing that you mentioned, sleep is really the cornerstone of everything. You can't be healthy Um, And even it's hard to build healthy habits and manage how much and and make good choices around eating if you're not sleeping, because there's all sorts of hormones that get thrown off that cause um, your body to react to food differently and, you know, increase your appetite and all sorts of things if you're not getting enough sleep. So the lifestyle aspect and really working with our body instead of against it, so our circadian rhythm for example you know making sure that you know when when we're going to bed at a decent time in the evening we are focusing on starting to wind down and having a routine and going to bed at the same time and telling our body this is a time to rest and so that means the same as what you're doing in the morning which is also something i recommend for sure um, is having a routine where an hour before bed you're not on the phone you're not watching netflix you know, I really am against any kind of TV in the bedroom. Um, I really think, you know, the bedroom should be for sleep and sex and that's it. And it, you know, because otherwise you're, you're not training your body like, Hey, this is the space where we're now winding down. And, and so it knows what to do next. Right. I often say our body is like, uh, for people with children, like a small child, they love routine, they love being on a schedule, and they love knowing what comes next, and that, that calms them. That's exactly the same thing with our body. And so, you know, working with your circadian rhythm, going to bed at the same time, I'm always trying to get my clients in bed by 10 if they had any kind of HPA access issues way before that. Um, We're not way before that, but like between nine and 10 Um, and then, you know, getting up at the same time every day and having a routine in your morning. So, you know, in the morning is, like you said, so, so critical of how you start your day. If you wake up and you, you know, are a high-performing professional and you go to that smartphone, then, like you said, all you have is this rush of, you know, cortisol and stress and adrenaline. And if that's how you start your day, that is how your day is going to continue, right? Um, so learning how to really... You know, manage and realize that you create, you have an opportunity to create your day and start it in a way that makes you feel great so that whatever does get thrown in your lap that day, you are much better um you know prepared to be able to manage it no matter what kind of happens and that's how I start my day my mornings are very important I get up at the same time or within an hour of the same time even on the weekends uh I start my day not looking at my phone I i I get up at 5:30, and my gym class starts at 6 so I literally get up brush my teeth put everything on have some water grab my things go so I don't have time to sit around and be on social media and go down that rabbit hole and and then afterwards when I come back um I do journaling so sometimes a combination of meditation and journaling but you know I have I have my journal and it's something I do like you know it's I do a lot of a lot of journaling. And I think it's such an important practice for people who are high performers because you need a way to sit with yourself and and have a special moment to connect with your own tuition and how you're feeling and what's going on in your day, and how do you want that day to unfold? Because we don't realize how much power we have so um, the journaling for me is usually something that comes before the meditation and for my clients i find the same as you when you're a high performer you're type a you want to make sure you're doing everything right and so i often butt up against that when i'm asking my clients to meditate because they feel like they're not doing it right their mind is still racing Um, and I think it's really important for people to understand when you take on meditation is that your mind, you're never going to get to a place where your mind is blank, right? You're never going to get to a place where you're completely Zen. It's the, it's the habit and the action of bringing your, your mind back and focusing on something that actually allows you, um, to have more control over your mind and to be the observer of your thoughts. And so that is really the goal instead of, you know, life running you, but to realize that you actually have a lot of control over your mind. And so the the practice of meditation in my mind is about, you know, learning that and, and tapping into yourself. So all of those things are absolutely critical because all the things that we're talking about, whether it be meditation or whether it be journaling, it could be walking outside, Um, they help us to pull us out of our sympathetic nervous system. So your sympathetic nervous system is your fight or flight, right? So if you're go, go, go all the time and stressed, you're always in your sympathetic nervous system and you're stressing the So we have to learn and be very, um, you know, determined to bring ourselves back into center, which is going to your parasympathetic nervous system. And so the breath work is exactly what is going to do that. The you know meditation, the journaling, the calming, um, and also doing anything outside in nature, grounding yourself in nature, sitting outside on grass, um, going for a walk, hiking, all of those are things that to, um, help your body to go into your parasympathetic nervous system, which is your rest and digest. And we need to be able to manage how to go into both because if you don't learn that, that is how you are going to burn out because you can't burn the candle at both ends um, nonstop and expect that your body is not going to at some point, um, you know, break down.
0: Yep, I agree. I agree. Um, thank you. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask this on behalf of my, myself. Let's say five years ago, because I've I've taken a couple of years now of of, of pretty uh, pretty focused determination on on getting better myself. But even I, as I'm as I'm listening to you, I'm trying to think back to how overwhelming this all sounds for someone maybe that is. Um, and I'll go back to myself five years ago. I was out late partying, um, chasing deals, flying around the world um, rush, 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 busy, 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 anxiety, anxiety, anxiety. And, but then I had the fortunate position to sell a business and actually was forced to be alone. And so it was, you know, I, I don't think, I don't think I'm the, what what I'm saying is I don't think I'm the everyday person. I actually had the opportunity that life gave me was, you know, the paths keep going down this path and, I already know what the result is going to be, you know, whether it's more bad gas or it's a heart attack or it's, you know, whatever it would be, or take this, this more uh, aware and and conscious path. But you see all these things, you have incredible discipline. I can tell where do you start if you were talking to me five years ago and I came to you and said, I run this business, stressed out. I wouldn't even admit it. I was stressed out. I'd, I'd probably pretend like everything was perfect. Where can you even begin like, like, is there something where you'd say, just start here, you know, instead of this overwhelming, you know, someone listening to this and being like, oh, this is just, this is impossible. Like, I don't know. I don't journal. I don't, I don't deep breathe deeply. I don't even, you know, I hear meditation. It's overwhelming. I just want to go to the bar with my friends. Yeah. What do you say to them? Like, where do you, where do you start? And cause at some point people will come around. I came around, if you ask friends of mine five years ago, there's no chance. I had no hope and you know, I, there's no hope for me. But you know, but I, I want to hear from you. What have you seen as, as some starting points for people that want to be more aware, want to be more conscious, want to live more disciplined, want to have a better quality of life? Are there some starting points?
1: Yeah, there absolutely is, and I, i'm the mindset of it is very important. So I can go into some what some of those starting points can be and what I would do. However, the thing that I want to address is especially with high achievers, um, there is, you know, often we suffer with perfectionism, right? So it's kind of like, if I can't do this perfectly, I don't want to do it. And that is a really, Um, important thing to overcome and you really have to work on that mindset when you want to start these things because you can't do everything at once and the psychology around habits and actually you know you know breaking old habits and starting new habits and really having them stick long time like long term is is really about you have to feel successful So it's not just repetition, 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 but when I'm recommending somebody to start somewhere, you have to, you really want to make that goal super small. And that's sometimes hard, you know, for for high achievers. I've I've said to clients, you know, just get up in the morning and move for 15 minutes or work out for 15 minutes. Everybody has 15 minutes, but they have it in their head, I've got to do an hour, otherwise it's not worth it. So, but the thing is, is that when you really commit to something that's small and something that I talk about being a non-negotiable, so sure, like, you know, for me, there has been times I ran two full-service weight loss clinics um, at one point, and I really did not have the time that I do now. And so I did do those 15, 20-minute workouts, and so I could do that. No matter what was going on, I could do that. And, and so with high achievers specifically, is that you want to get them to, you know, just be like, yeah, I'm winning when I do this thing for 15 minutes, that could be exercising, that could be breathing, that could be just stretching, as you were saying, it could be getting up 15 minutes earlier, could be going to bed 15 minutes earlier, but doing something that's small and that you can actually do it feels successful because then the psychology tells us that you're going to want to do more. When you get in that feeling of feeling successful and those things can make such a huge difference that You will feel better too. And so, feeling successful and also noticing the differences, um, you know, your energy and how you feel less anxiety, more focus. Those small changes can then inspire you to keep going. So once something becomes your new normal, then you can add something else on it. But the most important thing is no matter what you're doing, it has to be something that you can do no matter what, non-negotiable, and that, you know, no matter, you know, what shit is hitting the fan in your life and then you will be able to continue to do it, feel successful, and the person who feels successful is gonna do more. So, you know, when I ask somebody to do 15 minutes and we really talk about this mindset, then, you know, sometimes they just do 15 minutes, but sometimes, you know, they end up working out for a half an hour or, you know, going to bed half an hour early. And those, that feeling, our emotions, is really what drives our actions. And so it's so important that we set ourselves up for success because we don't actually do anything in life because we want that goal. We do things in life because of how we think we're gonna feel when we get there.
0: I think that's awesome advice. One thing I would like to ask, a little prod at a bit, mm-hmm. um, because I would something I went through too, some of what I heard in there was still a bit of ego-driven. I.e., I'm going to feel successful if it was something that worked for me was winding down and being aware of my ego and really winding it down. Um, and how have you found working with high achievers? That um, again, a lot of high achievers I've met live in a lot of ego. Um, how do you help them wind down ego? and just actually have these basic, uh, really basic disciplines on a day-to-day basis that's not tied to ego. And it's tied just to a much more genuine, um, more peaceful and present place.
1: Yeah, I think that's, that's, such, a, that's such an awesome perspective. Um, so I always talk about meeting people where they are. So from, um, I think that that, is something that absolutely is part of the evolution when you do these things and and so it's it's you know taking people down down a path because when you start talking about ego to people who haven't done the work yet or haven't I mean they they literally th- think that, you know, ego is just somebody who's being egotistical, right? They don't really realize that we all have an ego and that a lot of the stories that we make up and the pain that we feel is around, um, you know, what our ego is is telling us. And and so that's something that is much more kind of the, you know, deeper inner work. And once you get somebody, you know, kind of work with where they are is where, where I start getting them into these practices, because these practices are things that allow them to actually be aware of themselves. Because before, you know, again, if you're just running, if you're just picking up your phone in the morning, you're literally never tapping into yourself. You're never asking yourself how you feel. People are not even aware when it comes to food, um, how horrible they feel until they take all the crap out of their food. And, you know, 10 days later, they're like, wow, like I had no idea. And that happened, right? ha- happened
0: to me. <laughs> for yeah. Sure. So, oh, yeah.
1: And if yeah. I eat something
0: now that I used to eat all the time, I feel like junk.
1: Exactly. It's, not, it's not
0: worth it anymore. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think what I'm hearing is it's it's step by step. And I and I, I, I agree with you. Yeah. I think it's just important to flag, at least for my own experience. And it sounds like you've seen it and you've experienced it, you've seen it yourself as is there is this like lock and step relationship between these new disciplines and unwinding of the ego, or at least and not unwinding, ego is always going to be there, but mm-hmm. um, an awareness factor and a healthy relationship with the ego where, you know, I catch myself laughing at my ego sometimes, just like, well, that's such a ridiculous thing you just came up you know? And, and, and a book that's really good that was recommended to me by a good friend was The Untethered Soul. I don't know if you yeah, ever read that book.
1: I have, yes.
0: Yeah, around that one really resonated with me in terms of like the eagles. You know, it's riding shotgun with you in this thing called life, but it's just you gotta, you gotta, you gotta just tame it down, or at least be aware of it, um, or else it can end up not riding shotgun and, and driving driving the car. And that's, I think, at least in my own experiences in life, that's when things have really gotten out of hand for myself. Absolutely. Um, yeah.
1: So, to add to, um, yeah, go just ahead. before we segue, um, the other really important thing that I eventually get into um, with respect to taking things away from being a goal, being ego-driven, you know, being successful at doing this thing, you know, when people ask me, you know, how can you be disciplined? You know, you know, how how do you keep going and being so consistent? It really comes down to integrity, and so and the relationship 100%. that you. Hundred percent. Yeah. So, and it's that 100%. relationship that you have with yourself, right? So it's- yeah. you
0: say you're going to do something, do it.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly. Hold,
0: I agree with you. I'm so happy you're saying that. That yeah. was a big revelation for me. If you're not going to drink for a week, don't drink for a week. If you're going yeah. to get up every morning and you're going to not look at your phone, don't do it. Yeah. Cause how, how that's, what, that's something I've learned. I'm so happy you brought that up. That's it. Yeah. That was a big, that was a big one for me. Because how can I have integrity with others if I can't even have it with myself?
1: Exactly. And it's easier to have integrity with other people than it is to have it with ourselves, Right. And that's, that's um, this is how I explain self-love to my clients because, you know, I'm also dealing with women and food and emotions and the relationship that you have with food is dictated by the relationship you have with yourself. And that, you know, is men, women doesn't matter. Right. Um, And so at the end of the day, you know, this whole concept of self-love, I really break it down to I believe that love is an action. And so that doesn't ma- that means in a relationship with your children, with your spouse, with, you know, your best friend, but also with yourself. And so, you know, when we say we're going to do something and we break promises to ourselves, we end up, you know, telling ourselves that we're not worthy, we're not valued, we don't trust ourselves. And then I say to my clients, so how many people do you have in your life who you love, who you can't trust, who always be, break promises to you, you know, who are not authentic, all of these things. And they're like, oh, yeah. And, um, and then I, you know, put that together and say, okay, well, if that's what you're doing to yourself, you know, yeah, how, how are you feeling, that. right? Yeah. yeah. And then and you're, if you're... Yeah.
0: Ahead, you're somebody please.
1: you don't like or you don't love because you're not doing those things. Then it's hard to put effort into yourself. So you have to start with integrity and keeping promises.
0: Yeah, that's so key. Thank you for bringing that up. That's been a that was a big lesson for me, and continues to be. You know, continues to be with yeah, just promises and and maintain that. And, and it's something that it's the gift that keeps on giving. I found because self-confidence and not, not, not cockiness or arrogance or ego. It's just self-confidence. You can feel it. I can feel it with myself. People tell me like they can feel it and see it well. It's an aggregate of many pro- uh, promises that continue to be kept within myself. And exactly. then I have found I can show up. And again, I'm, not, you know, I'm not, still not perfect and I don't, you know, don't think I ever will be. And that's what you touched on earlier. But um, having consistency behind that relationship with ourselves is such an important, uh, concept to, to, and the reward is being able to, to to show up and be present and be present in the relationship, be present in the conversations. Um, yeah, thank you. I'm really happy you brought that up. Um, I, uh, I don't want to take too much more of your time. And I think we've been, we've been leaning a lot on high performers and I know it's something that, you know, I'm super curious about, um, and you are too, it's your business, but could you give some advice to some people in the world right now, not so many people in the world right now that are hurting, um, and are confused and are being forced to slow down because of many, um, many things that are out of our control, you know, a, a moment in time where we realize how much really is out of our, our control, um, which has its gifts, of course, but also has in extreme trauma and extreme pain—pain pain that you've talked about openly on this podcast, pain that I've talked openly about, that I've written an entire, you know, entire book about. Um, and is there advice for them on, you know, considering maybe finances are constrained um, and they they don't know? Like I, I heard. I'm sorry to, to ramble a bit, but I heard from you, like or left your husband, mother of kids, you moved, you bought a new house, like all this change, all this newness on your own. I mean, I can't imagine. So, you know, congrats on where you've come, but how would, how would you give advice to people today that it feels like every time they turn around, something is hitting them again and, and they just, they just need some, some hope or some, some guidance from someone that's been there.
1: Wow. That is, uh, that's awesome. Okay. It's, it's funny because it's basically what I do all day, every day. And so there's a million different answers to that.
0: Well, oh, God but, bless you for being so in service to people.
1: <laughs> well, thank you. Um, if there's one thing like, cause I have in my practice right now, I have, you know, two medical doctors and, um, you know, and they each have their lives. And then they're also obviously, you know, very stressed and caught up about what's going on in the world. Um, in in addition to, you know, many different women in, in, in different areas of work. But if there's one thing that I think holds, it it, is a thread that is, holds everything together and the thread that, um, is so thin that everything can fall apart is how we deal and manage with our emotions so with all of the things that we cannot control i think the most amount of pain that i see in my practice is people not allowing their emotions so you know from That place, I would say there is a lot of um, pain. There is a lot of controlling. I also had an eating disorder in my early 20s. And that was all around control and and not being um, able to and just not having any idea how to manage my own emotions in my life. Um, and so that shows up in so many different ways, and we can see, you know, statistically that um, you know high risk drinking in women has gone up over the last you know ten years exponentially, and then in the pandemic we've had you know a thirty five percent increase in alcohol sales. So you know we have kind of been taught that. You know, feeling sad, feeling depressed, feeling anxious, all of these things are wrong or that they need to be fixed. And I think that is, if there's one thing um, to say to really help people when they're struggling, is that you, you know, you're not broken and you don't need to be fixed, but you do need to go through those emotions. And it's when we, Instead of feeling our emotions, instead of letting our tears you know fall down our face, instead of speaking up when we have that anxiety, you, know, whether it be it, to, to anybody in your life, like just using your voice um, and, and, and making sure that your emotions and that you matter is so critical because when we shut ourselves down, You know, we shut ourselves down and we push down our emotions and then they get stuck and then we create trauma and we create pain. And the truth is, is that the only way out is always through. And that's not the easy way, but it is the the road that will lead to happiness. It is the road that will lead to contentment. It is the road that will lead to the answers that you need in your life is actually, you know, acknowledging yourself and feeling your feelings. Cause a huge, every single woman in my practice, um, you know, uses food in a different way. And that could be restricting. That could be, you know, when you're stressed, just not eating at all. It could be, you know, when you're stressed and you have those things bubble up is just wanting to be full. And, and I don't think that that's any different from any human being. So it doesn't matter if it's food, or if it's drugs, or if it's alcohol, or if it's work, or if it's exercise, or if it's whatever, you know, we push down these feelings and don't allow ourselves like it's like we have to do something about it. And so I always tell my clients that, you know, our emotions are like waves and they go up and they peak and they dissipate on their own and there's nothing that you need to do except for to try to give yourself some time and space to feel them and that's why the things like you know being quiet in the morning and not looking at your phone and checking in with yourself and breathing and and journaling and for me walking outside in nature is that it gives me an opportunity to actually feel and you know, especially for women, because we are, we have, you know, typically more feminine energy that, that feeling and that going through it. And those emotions are so critical for us to, to, to show up and and to be able to function. And for me, I, there was, there was, there was so much In my life, that was difficult um, when I thought that I had to be perfect and that my emotions were wrong or I had to be happy or I had to pretend. And, you know, now in my life, I have so much more joy and confidence um, and love because I can actually, I have the confidence to show up and be vulnerable and to go through my emotions so that I'm not then, you know, basically vomiting them all over people (laughs) at some point.
0: Or bringing them into other relationships or, you know, I know.
1: Yeah. And so such
0: good. Sorry. Go Go ahead.
1: Yeah. And so that's the big thing is like, whatever you're going through, it's okay. It's, it's okay. And, and, and to go through it. And it's been super hard for me. Like I, I, you know i don't know how people are dealing and i have so much um compassion for people right now who don't already have these self-care habits in place because it has been a super hard year for me and i do all of these things all the time so i've had to lean on them even more heavily and, you know, when, when life is tough, I, I dig in deeper to those self-care habits and I don't know where I would be. So for anybody who's really struggling is, um, you know, like th- the way out is always by going in. It's, it's always, you have to go through it.
0: Yep. I, uh, I couldn't agree more. That's yeah. You've got so many good pieces of advice and a lot of the things you're saying, um, I've learned a lot more, but a lot of things you're saying are, are things that I've, I've luckily picked up from, oh, I don't know, at least 10 professionals over the last couple of years and trying to unwind, you know, me, um, and so much of, of doing this podcast, my book, my blog is trying to inspire both men and women. I think more me as a young man that, um, at least I was taught maybe taught, not taught. Uh, I witnessed um, uh, that vulnerability was a weakness that, you know, understanding if this was two years ago with one of my first professionals that was helping me was literally a a, a page um, with with like emoticons, with like a happy face, a sad face, you know, a, a blank stare. And I was learning for the first time how to actually express a feeling I'd felt And say it like it sounds so ridiculous, but this is how far I had gone down the path of just numbing, numbing myself out and numbing my feelings out. And so I think that's incredible advice because the gift right now in the world with all the pain, the gift is, yeah, go turn to alcohol or one of your other, you know, habits that that numbs you out or take the time to do the hard work and i think i just also want to mention that because social media is getting a pretty good bashing right now with some of the latest documentaries around it i just want to flag that this conversation is happening today because of social media and it's our choice to put energy what the energy we put into social media in a world that that is more connected than ever um actually great gifts come from it too we wouldn't have been connected if it wasn't for social media
1: No, absolutely
0: not. Right, and and I've 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 changed my approach to social media entirely from completely ego driven and fear driven and judgmental to I just think I've got a responsibility as just someone in this world to provide service. If I see things that are positive influences that I can share, or someone around me can share, or something I notice that inspires me. It's my responsibility to do this. And it's conversations like these that remind me that social media can actually be really good too. It's, it starts with us and it's our choice to determine what energy we're putting out into the world through social media or in our day-to-day action. So um, I just want to give a shout out to social media because there is really good parts of it um, and it's our choice. So um, thank you I for your that. time. Yeah. <laughs> Sure. I love
1: that. It's your choice. I always say that to people. Like we always have a choice no matter what's going on. Right. We forget we that. We do.
0: We do. Yeah. Politics aside, you know, <laughs> social media, aside, um, anything that confute. no, we have a choice. We really do, especially with our attitude towards anything. And if I look back at the greatest things that have happened to me in my life, it's the choice of how I presented myself at that time and what my attitude was. And this is the stuff that will dictate where you go in your life. And um, so anyways, I, I, I'll, I'll stop preaching, but, but I just wanted to, to acknowledge that. So thank you so much. Um, I think we could have gone on for a lot longer, but um, I think this is great. And I look forward to finally meeting one day uh, face-to-face Absolutely. when the world is a little more, um, uh, allows us to.
1: Absolutely. That would be awesome.
0: Cool. Thanks for listening to Building Business and Balance with me, Brian Braga I hope you enjoyed the conversation and the wisdom of the guests I'm privileged to have met and worked with around the world. Subscribe to my series on iTunes for real, raw, and diverse discussions with thought leaders and pioneers on building business, balance, and defining your own success.